Well, good morning, everyone. Good to be here today. This uh, past week, I took, uh, took a bit of a, a break and went to Fairhaven uh, Leadership Retreat Center in um, Vernon. I had a great time there. There, there's really nothing like a, 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 an empty cabin that doesn't have any fans or any like furnace, just like a gas fireplace and a few baseboard heaters and nobody else around to really help you hone in on your tinnitus. It's like, I'm pretty sure I can now harmonize with the own ringing in my ear, you know, just uh, But it was, it was a great time away and... Uh, um, got to do some reading, took my guitar along, sang some songs, just spent time in, uh, in the Word and, uh, and spending time, time with the Lord. And so uh, this morning, uh, what I want to share with you is kind of coming out of that, um, uh, and yet it's still attached to the uh, message that, uh, and the passage that we are going to look at today. So you can ignore the outline on the back of your bulletin, I'm not even going to address that at all. But we are going to be in Mark chapter 1. We're going to look at what I think is the heart of this passage and the importance that it has for us today. So Mark chapter 1, verses 1 to 11, let's stand as we read this. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. As it is written in Isaiah the prophet, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way for the Lord, make his paths straight. John appeared baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And all the country of Judea and all Jerusalem were going out to him and were being baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair and wore a leather belt around his waist and ate locusts and wild honey. And he preached, saying, After me comes he who is mightier than I, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And when he came up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my beloved Son. With you I am well pleased. Lord, thank you for your word to us. As our brother Abe reminded us, your word is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, cutting, dividing joints and marrow, soul and spirit. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of our hearts. And so, Lord, as we come to your word this morning, may you speak to us by your spirit whom Jesus has given us. The same spirit that Raise Jesus from the dead as living in you, giving life to your mortal bodies. The Spirit who inspired men to write the text. O oh Lord, overwhelm us with your loving presence. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, 
The baptism of Jesus, the descent of the Spirit, the voice of the Father, and the rending of the heavens. In three short verses, Mark gives us the baptism of Jesus. Now you look in the other accounts and it's much longer, but Mark wants us to focus in on some very significant things that happened here. The baptism, the Spirit, the voice of the Father, the rending of the heavens. As we looked at last week, Jesus has now spent 30 years in obscurity, anonymity, hiddenness, waiting. Luke tells us he grew in wisdom and stature and favor with God and men, but nobody knew this carpenter from Nazareth. Nobody expected anything to come from Nazareth. John tells us that a number of times in his book. Nazareth, can anything good come from Nazareth? Nathaniel says. Later on, Nicodemus stands up for Jesus and says, hey, don't we, doesn't our law say that we're supposed to, you know, hear a man out before we pass judgment? And they go, are you from Galilee too? Look into it. No prophet comes from Galilee. Here is Jesus from Nazareth and Galilee, the most backwater place you can imagine. Uh, one Jewish historian about 8090 wrote that, that they had tried and tried to establish a rabbinic school to teach the people of Galilee the Torah, but it kept failing. And he finally said, oh, Galilee, Galilee, you're just a waste of time. 30 years, Jesus grew up in obscurity, anonymity, hiddenness, waiting. 30 years. And then the baptism. And everything changes. No longer hidden, no longer obscured. The wait is over. Everything changed. 30 years of preparation, three years of urgent work, three days of death, and everything changed. From obscurity to having to navigate crowds of thousands. There was confusion and anticipation, conflict, antagonism, and Jesus walking in confidence and clarity and purpose. You are my son whom I love. In you I am well pleased. And everything changed in that moment. Jesus is then driven into the desert, and we'll hear about that next week. But everything changed, and Jesus had done nothing yet. He had only come and put himself under God's anointed prophet at the time and the Father. Before a miracle happens, before Jesus teaches any sermon, before he calls any disciple, he says to Jesus, literally, you, my son, the beloved, I find joy in you. That, I think more than anything, gives him what he needs for the next three years where he will be alone so many times. His closest friends won't understand him. The religious leaders will turn against him. Nobody will understand him. He will be for the next three years 
walking alone. He is baptized. How long is this since he left Nazareth? We don't know. He didn't go straight back. Luke 4.16 tells us he started preaching around the synagogues. And then he arrives back home in Nazareth at some point. We don't know when. And everyone that he knew would be amazed, shocked, and scandalized. Jesus had changed, but he had also stayed the same. He went to the synagogue on the Sabbath in Nazareth in Luke chapter 4. I imagine Mary was there and his brothers and sisters. The family was there. It was the only church in town. You didn't church shop back then. He went to the Sabbath synagogue service. Normal, routine, expected. He stood up to read from the scroll of Isaiah that was on the schedule. Normal, routine, expected. He read of the messianic hope and the longing, the deep longing of Israel for God to return to his people and set them free. Normal, routine, expected. And then he sat down and said, today this is fulfilled in your hearing. There's acceptance of that. There's wonder. There's questions. Who? Where did he get this learning? Is this not the carpenter's son? And then Jesus answers them. You're going to tell me, physician, heal yourself. What went from normal routine expected, some acceptance and wonder and, and rejoicing in who this Jesus was, turns suddenly to anger and resentment and fear and murder. They tried to throw him off a cliff. So home is no longer home for Jesus. Home is now a place of rejection. You are my son, whom I love. In you I am well pleased. Simeon had told Mary he will be a sign that will be rejected and he will cause division among his people. And a sword will pierce your own soul too. As this start of Mary's piercing as well because sitting in the temple that day or in the synagogue that day in Nazareth and then seeing her son near death for the first time. How often is this going to happen? Home is no longer home for Jesus. Well, let's get back to the baptism in Mark chapter 1. At the baptism, the heavens are split open, and only Mark uses this word. Ripped apart. And the Spirit descends and the Father is pleased. The Son is beloved and everything changes. And then Mark will use this word only one other time in his gospel. And when Jesus is hanging on the cross, the temple curtain is ripped in two. And access to God, the Holy of Holies, in Jesus Christ is opened. 
It starts at the baptism, it ends at the cross. Everything changed at the baptism. The journey began. The cross is coming, division and pain and disgrace, deliverance, atonement, resurrection, authority, glory, ascension. But still three years of lonely and painful journeying as people celebrate him and then reject him. Love him and then hit him. Accept him and then reject him. And ultimately crucify him. The heavens are torn open, the spirit descends. You are my son whom I love. In you I am well pleased. Fast forward to the other descent of the Spirit in the New Testament, the upper room in Acts chapter 2. A group of 150, including Mary and the brothers of Jesus, finally in prayer and fear and hiding and worry. And a sound, a wind and flames of fire and everything changed. Power, proclamation, boldness, witness, transformation, mission, Spirit descended, the Father is pleased, the Son is Beloved, and a family is formed. Mark is likely reflecting a little bit on Isaiah chapter 64. And this is a prayer for God's people today. Isaiah 64 verses 1 and 2 and then 4 and 5. Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down that the mountains may quake at your presence when as a fire kindles brushwood and the fire causes water to boil, to make your name known to your adversaries and that the nations might tremble at your presence. From of old, no one has heard or perceived by the ear. No one has seen a God beside you who acts for those who wait for him. You meet him who joyfully works righteousness, those who remember you in your ways. Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down. And Jesus saw the heavens ripped open and the Spirit coming down and saying to him, you are my son, the beloved. In you, I am well pleased. The future of us as followers of Jesus and as gospel chapel, depends on the power of the Holy Spirit of God upon his people to transform and restore and inflame our lives. O Lord, rend the heavens and come down. Everything needs to change. On Tuesday, as I was reflecting on this passage, and then I went to bed, I woke up at about 1.30 in the morning, and out of kind of a dream where I was having a discussion with some people, and the, the key thing that came to my mind over and over, and I got up and I had to write this all out, was 90 days. 90 days. The next 90 days will determine the future of our mission. Will we embrace God's mission for us in this moment? 
As a church, we have the means to survive. Financially, we're fine. Staff-wise, we're strong. Ministry programs are good. We can survive. But will we thrive in the mission of God? We can keep a religious organization running indefinitely. Can we pursue the heart of the Father for the people of this place? Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down, oh Lord. May we hear from your voice. You are loved. You are sons and daughters of mine. I am so pleased with you. Now get about my mission and it's going to be hard. And it's going to be lonely. And it's going to be painful. But you are loved and you are family and you are delighted in. Everything needs to change. You are my people, my beloved, and you I am well pleased. And the path of transformation may cause division and anger and resentment and fear and attack. Obedience is always costly. Ask the apostles, the prophets, anyone who follows the way of God. But before it all began for Jesus, the voice of the Father, and this is why we need to hear this voice today through this text. You are my beloved son. You are my beloved daughter. In you, I am well pleased. Your identity is solidly formed by the declaration of God the Father, and nobody else. He declares his love over you and his pleasure in you and his presence with you. You are my sons and daughters, beloved. In you, I am well pleased. And through you, I will make my name known. The only way we will flourish in Christ and his purposes is for us to thoroughly know, not in our minds, but in our hearts, and in every fiber of our being, the Greek word for know, the Hebrew word for know, is to experience personally, intimately, that we are deeply, deeply, deeply loved. And this is the greatest need of our lives right now. To know we are deeply, eternally loved. Because of who we are, not because of what we do. Jesus does nothing but wait for 30 years quietly in obscurity, 
building stuff, doing his job as a carpenter. God says, I love you so much. So whatever you're doing, whatever occupation you have, know that you're loved deeply by God. You are my people whom I love, and you I am well pleased. Our vision, the pursuit of spiritual formation, has this one goal, this one outcome, that we would become increasingly overwhelmed by the reality of God's love for us. And that we would know the vastness of his love, though it is unknowable, and that we would be filled with all the fullness of of God. That's what it looks like to be a healthy, spiritually formed follower of Jesus, overwhelmed by the reality of his love. And that's why we need to come to the Lord's table today. I'm going to ask those who are helping to serve to join me at the front. Often we come to this table and we think primarily of the wrath of God against our sin. But as I've been reflecting on this, this table, and and as I've been looking just even at the scriptures around this table, it is more an expression of his deep, deep, deep love for us. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that he gave his son. As we prepare to receive the bread, listen to the words of Romans chapter 5. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit whom he has given to us. For while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God showed his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God? For while we were his enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. How much more now that we are reconciled shall we be saved through his life? More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ 
through whom we have now received reconciliation. Over and over in this passage, Paul uses the words faith, hope, and love. And in all of that, we are called to rejoice. Lord, as we come to your table this morning, it is an expression of your deep, radical, unending, unwavering love for us. That no matter how far afield we go, no matter how deep our rebellion has gone, you have pursued us relentlessly. Because you love us. Even in our brokenness, our woundedness, our rebellion, our sorrows, our trials, our joys and our victories, our successes. None of that has caused you to love us or to turn away from us. It is only because of who we are, created in your image to declare your glory, that you love us because of who we are. Oh, Father, help us to just rest in the radical, unknowable, ununderstandable love of Jesus for us. so that we can move into your mission with quiet confidence. That we can just live out of the fact that you love us so, so much. And that you speak over each one here. You are my son. You are my daughter. You are beloved. In you, he is pleased. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for loving us. Amen.
Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. He said, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. As we take the cup this morning, Romans chapter 8, verses 37 to 39. So familiar, but so, so needed because we often forget this. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Through him who loved us. We're not conquerors because we have skills or abilities or talents or, or treasure. We're not conquerors because we've got our lives all together. We're conquerors because he loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything in all creation. Not even the stories I tell myself about how bad I am, or how unworthy, or things that other people say about me, will ever, ever be able to separate you, me, us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing can separate us. Lord Jesus, again, we just need to come back to this over and over again. The simple, simple truth that we sang this morning before the children left. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. He is strong. We, we are weak. He is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, 
Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. Thank you for that simple clarity that we will never, ever fully understand or outgrow. Lord, we need to hear those words over and over and over. May you shape our hearts to know that you love us no matter what. the throne of glory nothing in my hands I bring but the promise of acceptance from a good and gracious
Then Jesus took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. I will do everything to seal this covenant. This is almost as if it was on the banks of the Red Sea, with the army coming to destroy the people, and Moses standing up and saying, Be still. And watch the salvation of God. You need only to be still. Jesus hands the cup around. This is the new covenant. And I make it with you and I expect nothing of you but to accept it. It is my body, it is my blood. Beloved of the Father, Son of God, given for you, that you may have life in me. Lord Jesus, thank you that for the joy set before you, you endured the cross, scorning its shame, and you sat down at the right hand of the Father. Therefore, let us hold fast our confession of faith. Therefore, let us run with endurance the race marked out for us because you so deeply, deeply love us. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. I would encourage you over this next 90 days to do two things. Begin your day by reciting these words of the Father to you. You are my son or daughter, the beloved. In you, I am well pleased. Some of you don't believe that. Deep down, you can say the words, but you don't feel you deserve it. It's not about you. It's about what God has done for you. You are my beloved son or daughter, and you I am well pleased. Before you do anything in your day, even before you get out of bed, know that you are loved for who you are and never for what you can do. The second thing I would ask us to do is to pray Ephesians chapter 3, this benediction I use often over your life, and over your family, and over your friends, and over your church. We're going to start doing that today. I have it up on the screen, and I've, I've adapted it slightly just as a congregational prayer. And let's, this, this is one way you can do this. And as you read this, or as you meditate on this, as you pray this over your family, one of the things I did this week is I just, after every phrase, I just paused and let that phrase resonate in my mind. And then when I got to the words like you, I would substitute in me. I would substitute in the names of my children and my wife And then the benediction in verse 20. So 
Let's stand together and let's read this together as a benediction out loud for all of us, not just me to you, but all of us to one another. For this reason, we bow our knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant us to be strengthened with power through his spirit in our inner being, so that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith, that we, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that we may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in this, his church, and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Go with God. Know that he loves you radically.